Hello again, and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. Warm wishes to you in a, well, another week of lockdown during this coronavirus. We hope everyone is safe and well as they can be. I'm Johnny Hammond, and also staying home and staying safe, saving lives, is Harlequins and England centre, Rachel Burford. How are you getting on, Burfordtron? I'm doing well, thanks, Johnny. Good to hear that you're all well as well. Yeah, I've been keeping busy. Um, launched the Burford Academy Lockdown Squad and just bringing daily videos to keep you know people out there getting a rugby fix daily, staying on top of their skills and trying to motivate a few and, and just trying to fill some of the, the downtime that we've got during this time. Yeah, absolutely. Great to see so many people getting involved in your, your lockdown squad. And we had a real treat on YouTube channel as well, didn't we? Through World Rugby. Oh, that was a blast from the past. I literally can't believe it's 10 years since that World Cup. Where's it gone? Yeah, that uh, 2010 World Cup semi-final between England and Australia. Some, uh, wow, some pretty decent hits. In that game, and of course, England want to get through to the final. What, what, what were your memories of that day, Berth? Well, the, the final or the semi-final? Well, let's get. Well, let, you know, let, I don't know. You press for time. Should we do both? Yeah, let's do both. So, semi-final. Um, I remember feeling really confident that we were going to beat Australia. Um, we had a bit of rotation in the team. But we had been going really well and really strong throughout the tournament. We had um, we played what USA, Kazakhstan, who was our other pool game, Ireland, um, and it was just kind of it just felt that everything was on track and going the right way. So I felt really confident about that. Obviously, playing at the Stoop for the semi-finals, we played well against at Surrey, so there was loads of excitement and buzz around that. Um, uh, so then moving on to obviously watching it last night, though I didn't realise how close it was. I totally forgot what the score was at the end. I didn't realise we only won by, you know, fifteen to nil. That I thought we we absolutely smashed it, but no, we didn't. Because because no, um, the Australians came in and as kind of per normal, men or women, really really turn up for World Cups. But they have, I mean, they have, I don't think they played a test between two thousand six two thousand and ten, and then they came, and they absolutely sort of blew people away with their performances. And as you say, it was a it's actually a really tight semi. Yeah, um, and it, it definitely didn't, like, even watching it last night, and to, I can't remember playing it, but I, when watching it last night, it didn't look like at any point we were kind of let off. Like, we, we didn't play that well. We had a lot of errors and played in the wrong places and forced things a lot of times. And, you know, reflection now, maybe that said a lot about then how we played in the final. But, um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was nice watching it watching it back last night and kind of having all the memories and seeing all the faces, you know, Sarah Bill, you know, majority of people don't even know who that player is, Amy Garnett, you know, talking about people who are just absolute incredible talent and people and players, um, to see their faces on the screen again, even Joe McGilchrist, who obviously got player of the match and just hearing her chat at the end. And So then obviously on the back of that, then going into the final, it was just... I mean, I had been in 2006 World Cup and that I was there as like a real rookie. You know, I, I got my first cap out there. It was kind of all of a whirlwind for me. And then fast forward and then to four years later, 
the difference in kind of the atmosphere, the people, the knowledge of the game, how many like broadcasters, reporters, all of that was kind of like a huge jump four years later. Um, and it was everything that we wanted it to be. We wanted to play against um, New Zealand. We wanted to be in a final and it was on our home turf and we just couldn't wait. And I still remember the the crowd at the stoop being sold out everybody singing swing low sweet chariot when when the black fern started the hacker um and it's just something that will stick with me forever and ever so 2010 you lose to new zealand home patch how, how much motivation because a large certainly over 50 percent of that squad was there four years later how much motivation was that like we've just just seen with a with the men in in Japan in 2019, and massive motivation to to put the rights of to put the wrongs of we just seen that with the men out in Japan in 2019, trying to put the the wrongs of 2015 behind them. How much of a motive, motivation was 2010 in the 2014 campaign? Oh, it has so much weight behind it. Um, I think you know personally, I had been. And if there was a few others, there was five of us, I think, that had been to the 2006 World Cup. So we had had our first real rugby heartbreak um, and we had experienced that and we knew what that felt like. And then a lot of other players in that squad in 2010 felt that heartbreak and felt what it meant to be on that end of it. And it straight away, you're starting to have conversations like on the pitch, walking off, it's like about four years. You start saying it, you start believing we're going to do everything we can for the next four years to never feel like this again. And that's kind of the mentality that you straight away get into. You don't go, you don't sit there and dwell on the losing side of it. You're just like, right, we never want to be in this place again. What have we got to do to get there? Um, and that, and sometimes you have to go through the, the heartbreak of it. And like you said, the majority of those players then went on four years later um, in France and turned that around into a very, very different feeling. That motivation to uh, to start straight away. And I, chap, you obviously know exceptionally well, and I would consider a friend as well, Gary Street. I know he watched, I think he even tweeted about it, didn't he, uh, last night. Um, he watched that final every day for four years between 2010 and 2014 just to make sure that his his motivation and drive was was there and uh, at its sharpest it could be so uh yeah it did hurt and uh for you and, and, and lots of others uh, that pain was eased in in 2014 um sticking with the with the red roses uh just a smidge of news it's the only bit of news i've been able to to find from around the the oval world uh richard blaze uh, has moved on as uh, as the Red Roses forward coach uh, to become an insect to to help out Lee Blackett. Um, congratulations, Lee Blackett, on becoming the head man at Was to yeah to to join Lee uh, at Was on the on the men's side of things. How much of a loss is is that birth? Yeah, I think I think a lot of players will be sad to see him go. He came in with a lot of energy, a lot of good ideas, um, a few new ways of doing things. Um, he questioned a lot of things that we were doing to freshen things up. So I think, you know, he's had a good impact in the short amount of time he's there. I think players will be, you know, sad to see him go, but in the same time, I'd be kind of like thinking, well, the situation we're in at the moment, some people's contracts are up, we've got the World Cup next year, um, who's going to come in? Is anybody going to come in? I guess it just leaves a little bit of 
concern and uncertainty. Um, but, you know, fair play to him um, moving on. Uh, you know, the coaches do look to keep excelling, keep moving themselves up the ladders, as do players. Um, but, yeah, I think players will be pleased for him on for a professional level, but obviously disappointed that to not have him being a part of the squad moving into the World Cup year. Any any jungle drums around who might be a replacement, might be in that frame to be a replacement? No, I did message a couple of girls and kind of nobody's nobody knows anything. And I don't know, like maybe with everything that's going on, there, there won't be another appointment. And that's me just literally, you know, plucking a thought out of the sky that maybe they'll share some different resources within internally with everything that's going on and, you know, the deficit that the RFU are going to have on the back of coronavirus. Um, maybe they'll be looking to share resources differently. So what possibly use uh, uh, the men's forward coach? I mean, Steve Borth that goes to Leicester Tigers has been announced this week, 1st of July. So he would be out the, the picture. Matt, Matt Proudfoot come in and help out the, the Red Roses as well? Well, potentially, or maybe the under twenties have had good links before, um, so there could be those options there. Um, maybe some senior players. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just kind of thinking ahead of, you know, financially things are going to be in a bit of crisis, and hopefully that there will be a full time appointment made for for the women's team. But maybe they'll look at things using their resources that they have already in place um, over this period of lockdown and uncertainty. Yeah, it's not something I'd actually actually considered, um, but I suspect you you. I mean, if you're given the option, you you would have a, a dedicated forwards coach. You're Scott Beam with the backs, obviously Simon Middleton heading the whole thing up. Presumably, you you would like a dedicated forwards coach, though, wouldn't you? Well, I think if you would ask the forwards, absolutely. Um, you know, within the side, obviously Simon Middleton he'll look after the team attack and team defence. Um, set piece wise, you've got the likes of um, you know Zoe Allcroft and Abby Scott that lead a lot on the lineouts. But that was a big area that Blaze had it um, investment in. Um, again, you know, working with back rowers, front row. There's so many aspects of forward play that you do need somebody in there to be able to look at all those different elements. Um, so yeah, ultimately you'd want to have somebody that is dedicated to the women's team full time. Um, and let's hope that they're in a position to do that. Bring back Smithy. Oh, you'd <laughs> love that. Tara's power. Yeah, wouldn't he just? He sent me some videos on the back of my um, lockdown squad. Um, on my, back of my weekly session of body management, he sent me a video and sought my Tower power out. So he's oh, still really? coaching, still going strong. This is uh, Graham Smith, who was uh, England uh, forwards coach for, for many, many years. Uh, and obviously a World Cup winning coach in 2014 as well. But yeah, he's uh, he does like to have a microscope in the hand at all times, doesn't he, when, when training is afoot. Uh, but bless him, yeah. Bring about Smithy. We'll start the campaign. Hashtag it. <laughs> I'm Abby Brown, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Well, someone who starred in that England team alongside Berth in 2010 joins us on the line now. Welcome to the WRP, Heather Fisher. Hi, Fish. Are you well? Not too shabby. How are you guys? Good, thanks, Fisher. Nice to hear your voice. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. 
I think you've had more times telling me to shut up than you do say you appreciate my voice. It's quite nice to say you appreciate my voice. <laughs> That's pretty fair, to be fair. <laughs> it's a strong start. Anyway, um, I'm okay. Uh, cool. how we, I, I'm guessing being this sort of energiser bunny that, um, that that you are, that lockdown isn't, isn't particularly something you're uh, particularly happy with. Would, would that be a fair assessment? Um, well, I just... Is it a fair assessment? I am like a Duracell bunny and I do have a lot on the go. So I do feel like, I, yeah, okay, it's a probably fair assessment. Yeah, I find it difficult. <laughs> but probably, <laughs> probably I'm trying to talk my way out of it, but I do find it really difficult. No different to probably everyone else does. I'm just not used to, for me, I, everyone everyone has got their different versions of isolation, haven't they, or distancing, whatever they're doing. But you've got to be able to make it work for you. But for me personally, my whole my whole journey, my purpose, my living, my every day has literally everything has changed. Everything. There's not one thing that is the same. So you, you normally live in down in Tennyson Way, aren't you, Lensby Way? But you're now back with your with your dad. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm kind of going through the process of selling my old house up here. So I'm living with my dad when I'm back here, just while that house has been sold. And so yeah, I'm not used to being I'm used to being in Teddington every day and then just coming back here for like a Saturday and going again so being full time in the capacity that I am is difficult um, but I'm trying to make it work like everyone else is I'm just you have waves don't you of emotions where you just sometimes it's like okay you accept it and everyone's going on about appreciation but I kind of feel like I've had that a few times in my life but I, I do appreciate what's around me quite heavily so you know, nothing's changed there. I just find it frustrating that life is on hold. Yeah, it's not uh, not not easy, is it? I think it's uh, that old phrase, be, be kind to yourself, is ne- never more true, is it? Because I think you can get really frustrated, but you're getting frustrated with stuff that you know, it just simply isn't isn't in our control. It's, it's frustrating enough for a, a sort of slightly agitated sloth like me, let alone professional athletes like you guys. Um, you must be absolutely climbing the wall. You must be doing a births lockdown squad, aren't you, Fish? <laughs> Getting your daily skills in, Heather. I'm trying. I really am trying. I do. Um, I do. I, I kind of <clears throat> plan my week. I've gone through different emotions. I'm not going to be honest. And different schedules. I seem to have a schedule and then can't stick to it. So <laughs> I feel like I have a schedule. I get out of bed. I start my day, and then my dad will talk at me, or he'll be doing something different, or he'll say, "Fish." You know, H, do you want breakfast with me? Do you want a coffee? And then before I know it, it I've missed an hour and I'm late for my first whatever I was going to do. So my lockdown <laughs> timings have been pretty off. But I'm lucky or fortunate enough that I've got my own gym at my old house, which is literally 10 seconds up the road. So I've got my own gym and then I just go running. So I've got everything in place. Um, but sometimes I feel as well, obviously, as you know, the announcement at the Olympics got delayed. So that changes quite a lot of your focus because as soon as you kind of know that it's been postponed by a year, I then think, well, actually, I just now need to make sure I'm ready for a year's time, so I need to adapt now. And adapting now probably doesn't mean training at the percentage that I was before. So that has also changed. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you've obviously changed, like, potentially your training schedule because, let's be frank, the Olympics isn't going to be in a few months' time. You've got another year to kind of look after yourself, prepare which is, yeah, which is hard because then what you wanted on lockdown is think, right, this time is a great time to kind of train really hard, get it all in the bag, ready to go. Ready to go where? Exactly. So I'm trying to be a bit more, I suppose, kinder and chilled 
which is harder because I'd probably take all my emotions and everything into the training and then go and get rid of them that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I've known you to do that a lot, especially when it's contact sessions. <laughs> yeah. I, still, I still remember. This is, a, this is a brilliant line, Johnny. Like, we, we're I know you're going to say. I, I know you, well, you should know because it's appalling. So we're, we're training and Fisher literally turned around and is like, guys, um, like, look. My, tell the right story. Like, my, your 100% is my 80%. So I'm just going to, you know, that is how it is. And I'm sorry, but <laughs> I did say that. Bit. You did. <laughs> so that's how it I was is. like, right, I'm just going to go, I was like, I'm just going to go my 8%. The problem is they moan at that, Johnny. Do you know what I mean? So I, you know, whenever contact was announced, I would look around and everyone would be parted up and it, the space between me and everyone else would just be dispersed. It's still, it's still the same now. Literally, yeah, contact, but that, that's because it's, if we're doing like a technical contact. That's session, different. No, you don't know the difference. That's, that's what's different. <laughs> Do you remember when I lost it with you when we played touch that time? You lost it a few times. Do you remember the time that I hid, hid in the cupboard for an hour waiting for you to jump out on me? <laughs> yeah. Take I hid us in through the that. Where was like that? Hour. <laughs> Where was that? What cap was that on or, or, or game? Wasn't that Bisham Abbey, was that? Bisham, I, I, yeah, because it was haunted. Yeah. And I literally hid in the smallest cupboard I was, it was over an hour, it was forever. Yeah. It was like forever. I sat in the cupboard for Because you, you, you started making a few little noises, didn't you? So it was just putting us on edge a little bit. Rachel the patience like, of that is unbelievable. I remember you shouting out like, you know, you're not real. Where? Who is this? <laughs> no. It's because I know you're always up to something, ever. <laughs> <laughs> just like when, remember Oldfield? When I first, first young, fresh-faced, sixteen-year-old, don't know anybody. It's your second year there. You're like king of the castle, queen of the castle, and you make me get out and push your car because you say that it doesn't work. <laughs> and the more I think about this, is the car was full with everybody else, and nobody else got out to push it. You guys just made me get out and push it uphill. Or, no, was it down? It was round the round, round the roundabout by stages in Bath. I pretended my car had conked out at Petra Johnny, and I was like, I don't believe this. And I switched the engine off and just let it cruise. And Rachel, basically, Rachel got out and pushed it. Ra- Ra- Rachel got out, but Rachel was forced to get out. <laughs> she was bullied <laughs> to get out of the car, and then you literally just started it up and started laughing at me and drove off. I was like, oh. I, yeah, mum, I'm loving life in Bath with my friends. <laughs> I love the, love oh, the commitment to the gags, though, Fish. I mean, obviously, you're 100% committed to everything you do, but I love that commitment. Over an hour in a cramped wardrobe. Oh, yeah. And then getting she all the girls inside. It's brilliant. Dubai I showers. Go, I, that's the worst I, I go... <laughs> I hide in showers. No, and other things that you hide in showers. She got prawns, Johnny, and hid them in the shower. And they absolutely <laughs> stank. Was that in Hong Kong? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Is even Hong Joe Kong. Watmore, Joe Watmore. Yeah. Joe Watmore put a prawn in my... He put a prawn <laughs> in my boot. And my boot stunk <laughs> of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there are just so many stories. Just half of them aren't clean, but some of them are just ridiculous. So you would hide and always involve you. You would hide the prawn, what in the shower for for the other girls to see, or literally because of the smell. No, you did it behind the toilet seat or behind the toilet. So it basically, Johnny, would rot and smell 
the bathroom out and you just think it's the bathroom or you just think oh my god there's something wrong with the pipes or the sewer or something wrong with your roommate um, but no it was just Fisher hiding prawns Oh, <laughs> but I, but Johnny, in my defence, that was because Joe Watmore put a prawn in my boots, and <laughs> I think we had a rest day before we had training again. <laughs> so like the prawn was in my boots for literally forty eight hours, and it start everything started to smell in the room. I was like, I'm not having this. Any excuses needed, uh, or defence needed, because that's the kind of stuff, especially on that on that seven circuit. Um, you know, some people call it a, a circus, don't they? Um, up in one town. Razzmatazz, then on to the next town. Um, that it's really tough mentally and physically. You need somebody to keep your spirits up. A morale manager. She's absolutely valuable on those kind of trips. Those she birth, whether it's hard. I don't, I don't or... think I'm allowed to do it as much now. It's <laughs> too. Um, it's not like it's not liked by you know other people. Let's just say. No, I think I think times change. <laughs> they do, but I think it. I just look. I think our generation was a bit mental. Yeah, but with Fisher, you're either absolutely laughing your head off, or you're the opposite, and you're shaking on your head and going, "Oh, <laughs> Fisher!" <laughs> and that is like the common thing. You're either rolling your eyes there, thinking, "I can't believe she's just done that," or you're laughing <laughs> with her. I'm like Marmite. Um, yeah. A roomie, um, I wonder if you've still got it. So if you room with Heather Fisher, for anybody who might room with her one day, just be prepared for the classic line of, May, can you moisturise me? So you have to <laughs> moisturise her back. Um, that was one of my Everyone needs memories. a back moisturiser. So do you use the one I got you? Rachel, I've used it so much that the handles have fallen off. Oh, no. I think there's I've got another spare one. one. Oh, my God, please send it up. That was a great, mas- that was a great like... Um, like you just rub your cream on when I think about this more and more right Johnny we're all us humans are made so we can do everything for ourselves but the one thing we can't do for ourselves <laughs> is moisturise our backs we can't like if you try and moisturise your own back you have to put the cream on the back of your palm of your hand and then you have to do that frigging test where you have to like put your arm put your back as far as possible and try and rub it but the bit that you can't get is where your sports bar is Johnny you can't, and that's the bit that gets sweaty. And Johnny, that's do you the know bit where that bit is? That gets sports itchy. Yeah, Miss Spent Youth Birth, I know exactly where it is, yep. <laughs> the, other, the other story, like, <laughs> this just shows you how random Heather is, right? I think we were in, we must have been in, like, Moscow or it was some European Sevens tournament. True. And the, I don't know which one, it was the one where you, um, it was Amaland. Oh my god, that place is just Amiland. another story altogether. Amazing that place. But um, so we're in the foyer waiting to either go to dinner together or whatever. And Fisher literally turns up and she's got a bird sitting on her shoulder. What? What kind of bird? Yeah, this, this is what I mean by how random she is. You can see the little bird literally just sitting on her on her shoulder. I don't, I don't even know what the story is. It was my. My reaction was probably, oh, my God, roll my eyes. Don't surprise me. Fish, tell us that story, please. <laughs> Not really a story to it. This bird flew. I was sitting there having breakfast, and this bird flew into the glass window. And he went straight down to the floor. I was like, oh, sugar. I can't leave him there. I wouldn't leave a bird there if he was like, he just flew in at a door, for God's sake, you know. So I went outside, I picked him up put him in my hand, I stroked his belly, 
I think I had an ice cube from my, from my drinks. I, I gave him like some water. I tried to like wet his tongue. And then it started to come to life. So it started <laughs> to come to his tongue. Started to come to life. CPR on a bird. So, so I put it. <laughs> I just remembered another story from this tour. Carry on. So I put the, I put the bird on my shoulder. And he was literally there for the whole morning until we went to play. He was there for three, four hours. And he was twitting the way. Twit, 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 you know, but he obviously wasn't ready to leave fish yet. So he just sat on my shoulder. I, I got all my kit ready. Um, I got it was match day. I think it was match day that morning. So I had the rest of my breakfast. Went upstairs, got my kit bag ready, put everything ready. He was just sitting on my shoulder the whole time. Came out downstairs, still on my shoulder. Went outside. He sat on my shoulder. He didn't want to leave. But um, we that was in Amiland. We cycled to the pitch. It was cr- it was crazy cool. It was really funny. Uh, so then I yeah I, I left him. I left him on the bench, and then I think I came back, and I really hope he'll be there when I got back. But he that wasn't. was the um, the same tour that you ran up like a five hundred pound bill because um, oh yeah ice cream. Fisher was basically ordering ice cream every night, thinking it was free, and was just saying, "Oh yeah, we have it for everybody." And like. <laughs> So she was like, yeah, the whole team will have it. And every night, and then at the end of the night, Nicky Ponsford got a bill for like 500 euros because obviously Fisher hadn't translated it properly. Um, and then um, Nicky Ponsford had to pay this bill at the end because Fisher was just supplying everybody with what she thought was free ice cream. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, That's just this kind of chaos that is constant with Heather Fisher. And, and this, constant. this is Seven's Days, yes? Yeah, this is European Sevens, days. yeah. Well, yeah. Still, you're in the Sevens days. I am still in the Sevens days. I don't know how I'm still in the Sevens days. You are still in the Sevens days. Yeah, it's I was hoping days. to retire, so, so I'm not sure where that's... I'm not what sure what's is, happening. What is going to happen with that then? So, because you're obviously going to play... I mean, we've had a chat before. Mm. You're going to play this Olympics, and then you were pretty certain that that was going to be you done in terms of an international scene. Mm. Uh, for sevens, I mean, where does that leave you now? Yeah, I don't know. My head changes every day. If I'm honest, right? Like, I want to, I want to make it. I want to make 2021. Um, I, I'm totally honest. I'm not sure about you guys. I can't even see this lockdown going away for like the the aftermath of all this is going to be a couple of years, isn't it? And I can't really imagine the Olympics taking place next summer. I, I can't see it. I don't, I, it's just my general opinion. I don't know anything. But I think it's going to be real difficult to start the season in September um, and fly across the world and, and how we used to. So I can't see it all going ahead smoothly. Um, but in terms of myself, um, I want to make it. I just hope my, my body my body feels good. It's more mentally, I feel, as a female... At 30, I think I'm 35. Am I 35? <laughs> Am I 36? Brilliant. I think you're 35. No, you're 36 or... in July. No, June, June actually. June, Am I 36 now? Na- I'm 36 now? No, not yet. Okay, maybe I'm 36 this June then. Okay, so I'll be 30. But... I, I kind of feel like at the age I am, I want to look at starting a family, you know, living back at home, like, have my own place, and, like, start the other chapter of my life. I want to do that, and I'm, and I am excited by all what's ahead of me. And I guess you had it all in your head, kind of, yes, September 2020, my new chapter's going to start. I kind of, I took a year out, didn't I? I took the gamble 
just took a year out last last year and I only got back this year like a year now and I took and I took that time out because I was exhausted so the fact that I knew I had two years left I couldn't have made Tokyo of two years left so if I think about this now I've just done one year and now I'm about to do another year so I I just hope I've got it in me I want to do it I want to do it for the team I want to do it for myself (sighs) but it's going to be something that you know I take taking my stride what? Heather, you're you're an athlete that is somebody who's con- constantly working hard, evolving. So if if you if anyone could do it, you certainly can. I guess like you, you could look at it in, in a way that it gives your body an opportunity to rest again and go again and be kind mm. of in that prime um, come next year. Um, but I mean, have you spoke to the coaches about it or anything like that, or is this kind of you know at the moment <clears throat> everything's just you and yourself? thinking about it I think the coaches are aware I think um I've been honest about Charlie with it I think he's aware um but I also know that I have a very honest relationship with the team like the England staff and I know they'll do their utmost to keep me going and um that might mean more recovery at certain times or you know I don't believe I need four weight sessions a week um so it might mean adapting those I only have three weight sessions a week and one stretching session I don't feel I need what an 18 year old needs and yeah. I think that's something that I think there's still a gap in the market in terms of the RFU and the way they work the senior athletes I think as you know seniors starting to, our generation is starting to, to well most of our generation is gone now I think on one one standing aren't I and I think but when you deal with older athletes in a system with youngsters it's not the same it isn't the same and no. and I've got you've to, got when I'm ready to go I'll go age. Yeah, totally. your training age is, is you know far greater than any of those players and will be. Yeah, and when I'm ready to go, I, I will go, but I've got to manage appropriately along the way. And what sometimes I feel like I struggle with in the system is that you you have these 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 runs to do, these sessions to do, these gym sessions. Let's go, and it's like actually I'm not adapting like everyone else is. I, I need different stuff to stimulate me now, and I've had to. Ben has been a really good influence coming in. He's adapted my training accordingly. But this year hasn't actually been, it's obviously been different because it's, it's come to a halt. But even in the time that we started in um, September, October time in Glendale, uh, through to, where was it, Sydney, you know, I've picked up a lot of infections and just illnesses. So I've got a low immune system anyway. And it's actually, my body's actually performing well. And if you look at my stats, or if you look at my single leg strength, or you look at, in my, you know, my overall as an athlete, I'm actually okay. What's not is the fact that I keep breaking down in terms of illness, and that's my immune system. So it's that what we're trying to manage, and it's something that we've spoken about the coaches. Like for me to go one more year, I'll probably have to have. I need. I feel like I need program rest into my days as well as weeks. Into you know, I can't just do what an 18 year old does. I think, and but people expect you to because you feel like you need to keep going because that's what the squad's doing. So you get stuck between two systems. That's quite a challenging place to be in, isn't it? Because it's, it's a team sport. You want to be doing mm. the same thing. But there also needs to be some form of individuality involved in that as well. And I think that's something that you've tackled head on for a number of years now. Mm. Um, but, you know, with immune system, it's it's not just um, the physical things. It's stress, isn't it? And it's the worry and the concern and, you know, all the other things <clears> that goes with it and the travel and everything. So... It's, I don't think people know enough, like, in, and joking aside, and this is the full truth now, I look in the mirror now and I can see all my hair sprouting on top. No joke. So I'm like a little chick. I'm like an Easter chick at the moment. My whole head is all blonde and fluffy hair. And I have not had that for 
years and six seven years and so you saying that is because you're out of a stressful environment that is obviously has a big impact on your immune system yes yeah I feel like so put it put it into perspective I I ran a 5k the other day I woke up my HRV was low heart rate was rubbish I felt really rubbish I didn't want to train and if that was England that would have been a day would have had I've had to my day would have started at eight half eight and I would have had to have gone and I would have just ploughed through it like I would normally. And on this particular day last week, I thought, you know what? I'm not ready to train yet, but I will get my run done. I will get my 5K done. And actually, I, I think I, I like seven seconds off my PB. And it just shows I've got it in my body, but it's when it goes and how it goes and how I work my rest around how I feel. But when you're in a system, you have to go and someone says go. You know, you, the the plans, are, the, the days are planned, the sessions are planned. And like you said, Rachel, if you're not on the line with the rest of your squad doing pitch lengths, you feel like you're not wholeheartedly in it and you want to be in it because, you know, I thrive on hard work. I love that side of it, that you're all doing it together because that's a massive buy-in. But when you know that when everyone's on the line and you know actually what you need to do for, to be better for the squad is to walk away now and go and get changed and go and relax, that is very difficult. In my head, mentally, it doesn't sit right with me. But actually, if you look at the bigger picture of getting yourself ready for when I need to be ready, that is what I need to do personally to get myself ready. It sounds similar to uh, Jason Leonard, 2003. He had a conversation with Clyde Woodward. He said, you can either have the warm-up or the match, but you can't have both. Um, and to Clyde... Was, <laughs> Did he? Yeah, 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 absolutely. What um, was the outcome? Well, he played the match. The warm-up. <laughs> <laughs> no, he played the match and steadied that scrum, didn't he, with... Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, I can't remember the referee's name. Um, Watson, wasn't it? Um, but I just just wondered how far you you've had those conversations because um, we know you're you're buzzball. We know you're a complete team player. You, you buy into that. You love the physical stuff. But if you can't do it, and you're such a valuable member of the team, which I'm saying from from outside and, and conversations that, that that I know of, you're pretty much invaluable in terms of the experience of that squad. Can they not bend those rules? Can they not everybody see the bigger picture of why so. you're... And how far are those conversations gone with, with Charlie Hay to the coach? They they have at the moment. A lot of them are in my head and, and they know my concerns. But actually, what, why worry about something that actually... I know that if they, like we've got contract talks coming up soon for next year. Obviously, my contract was due to end and that will be it. So that's going to have to be reevaluated and... You know, if they take me on, then great. If not, then I know I've done my best and I walk away with my head held high. Um, so a part of that, that part is obviously out of my control. But what is in my control is in my mindset. I know what I can bring. I know that I can deliver. I know I've got it in me. But actually how it looks on paper will be a conversation probably closer to time when we come out of lockdown. Um, because it, it will have to be. If you want me involved, this is, this is what I need. Um, and I am quite good at saying what I need, but then... I'm, I'm sticking on myself. I bend my own rules. You know, if someone says rest, I go and do it. And I don't always listen to myself because actually I want to do it. It's really difficult, not you know, in that squad environment. Um, but the conversations yeah. I hope will be said when we have our one-to-one to the staff and we come back to start the season again. Because, you know, let's be honest about this, guys. If the season doesn't start until end of this year, it's only six months to go. Yeah, and yeah. I can do six months. So I, if you look at it from different, if, if it was, if lockdown was off next week and I had to go, that is a year. It would have to be very big, like that would have to be managed. But if our first competition isn't until, let's say, December or January, which it could be, then 
I know actually, I, I those conversations would be very different according to our situation now. So I suppose as an athlete, I'm seeing the bigger picture. I know where I want to be. I know where I can be. But or like I kind of I'm trying to control what I can now. I'll stay in control of my training. I'll stay in control of my diet. Apart from I did eat a big Easter egg yesterday to myself. Um, Who has? You know I'll. I'll watch what I can and I'll do what I can and I'll be ready for where I need to go. But in the meantime, I've got to think the bigger picture of life and where I go after, after life and, you know, a family, a house, relationships, work. I've got all that to think about as well. And it was all ready to go in September and now I've got to put it off. But obviously the world's in crisis anyway. So how does it look? It's completely different. So I do feel like I'm in a bit of a disarray. Um, but I won't be the only athlete in this situation who's an, it's difficult when I'm the only one in the squad with this, with these thoughts because I've spoken to a couple of girls about it and they're really understanding about it, but they're 18 years old. And when you're 18, yeah. it's a very different game. I've been there myself. And even when I was 26, 27, I never, I never saw the end of my career. I didn't see the end of my career until a year and a half when I had to step back. That's when I saw the end of my career because I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm absolutely shattered. I am absolutely shattered. And that was 32. So 32, 33 is where I saw that I was just getting fatigued. But body-wise, it's difficult when you're fatigued, but you're still performing. But I don't want to be carried. This year, for me, I would not be carried. If I'm carried, I'm out. You know, I want to be leading by example and leading the way. And um, that's where I've always been. That's the way I'll step out. And if it's any other way, I won't be there. I won't want to do it for myself. So, Fish, if... if and, and this is all completely and utterly hypothetical, and I think I'm probably in your camp thinking that yeah the uh the 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 residual effect of, of this uh coronavirus is, is gonna gonna be very very long lasting in terms of international travel i suspect quite heavily but but say come come let's say come october you can fly wherever you like and england have, have offered you a contract to look we want you to to be involved in the olympics next year it's all going ahead da, la, la. what what do you say what's your decision you can't, yeah. No athlete would turn down a chance of going to Olympic Games. Um, so my decision is is there. My decision is I'm in. But how it looks will be a conversation between myself and the coaches, and how it looks on a month to month basis, competition wise, and then when we're looking to peak, that will be a conversation that will have to be reviewed every day, like everything else you know going on at the moment. Um, but of course I'm in. I'd love to do one more Olympics, and that's what I came back for. I came back to do one more Olympics. And it's just so happened that's not happened the way it should have happened. So I'm not going to give up. Just I've done 22 years. Why why not do one more year? What 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 supports coming from from the RFU, from England Rugby, from the the coaches, the management, uh, in sort of managing you not just through that decision, but but kind of just generally at the moment. Is there is there plenty of stuff going on? <clears throat> Physios, S and Cs. You know, Izzy's being great. You know, I, she check she checks with me regularly. The staff have kind of done it where. They're all looking after a few players each, so we just check in with each other regularly. Um, I nice. think, to be honest, that's the biggest thing they can do at the moment. That's the only yeah. thing, because actually, you know, I've had different ways of thinking about this as well. If they suddenly set morning sessions, morning robustness and morning yoga every morning, because of the mindset and how families are and the change in the world, you can't guarantee that everyone's mind would be in the sessions anyway. So it's probably not right to do that. But what it does do in terms of us as athletes is give a, it, it's this is allowing us to be trusted. And it's something I've been big on my whole career. Trust that we will get the work done. Trust that we'll be there. And trust that this is the way that I want to warm up. And trust that when it's, I'm ready to go, I'll go. 
and trust that we can train from home and we can still be the big specimens that we are, you know? So what this does now is give all the onus to the players to go, how well are you going to come back into shape? Because some players will find it really difficult. I find it difficult, let alone younger players. But in terms of the RFU, I don't think there's a lot they can do. They've, you know, they've secured our role for now as players. They furlonged us, you know, um, for a few weeks because that's the way it is. Um, but if that helps save the bigger picture of sport, the RFU, players, then that's what we have to do. And I'm, I'm massive. That for me, we're, we're a small team of sevens amongst the bigger team of the RFU and the, and the world. So if everyone has to do their part to save certain parts, and that's that I'm in. It's not a question. But I think mentally it's difficult for any player right now. Anyone who is has got any uh, like get up and go about them, this is a difficult time. Fish, I wanted to just move away slightly from the current situation and, and, and the sevens, which you, you clearly enjoy. I go back to to your days of 15s. Um, I don't know if you saw last night on, on World Rugby um, stream the 2010 semi-final against Australia. Did you watch that? I didn't watch it, but Rachel Burford informed me of my yellow card that I actually forgot I had. Of course you would forget any good flanker forgets yellow cards and red cards. <laughs> Do you know, what I don't forget though. What what I don't forget is my was on the way to my 15s career to England, charging down uh, went at Sarah's. I think Amy Garnett picking me up from the floor by the scruff of my neck and going to punch me. That's what I don't forget. That sounds. <laughs> Exactly something that Amy Garnett would do. <laughs> she just picked me up off the floor by the scruff of my shirt and literally went to absolutely nail me for what charging down What did she say to you? Did she say anything? I, can't, I don't think I'm going to repeat it, but I think she, her eyeballs, she literally, I remember, I remember um, put, uh, the line-up was on the right-hand side. I remember charging down. Who were you playing for, Clifton? Playing for Clifton against Sarah's and... Um, so when she's, I think it was her, yeah, she went to kick and actually it was just outside 22 and I went, I came from an angle from the back of her line out and I got up in the air and I landed off the flat on my face after trying to charge this kick down. 80% or 100%? My, my 80, Rachel, my 80. Wow. <laughs> um, and I just remember Garnet like giving me the eyeballs, literally, you know what she's like, giving me the eyeballs, looking down at me. And and grabbing me, pulling me up to my feet, and literally going to absolutely nail me with a punch. Honestly, why? I don't why? think she made like, contact with me. Kit, the, 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 but that is what it, it was like. I remember Georgia Stevens. Yeah. Like I remember the first tackle I, I ever had in senior rugby was by Georgia Stevens. I was playing for Litchfield. George Stevens, I remember knowing that she was at England back row, and I was just starting out my first... I think it was my first or second game for Litchfield's first team, and I got I got tackled by it, and literally snot just came out from my whole like from my whole like mouth and nose. She was unbelievable, yeah. and like now I think I'm a senior player, and I'm going, come on, mate, I help you. Just put your arm here, just, just pull here. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you ain't got a clue. You have not, and I'm supposed to control what I say and be supportive and. Wow. I remember, do you, you would remember it as well, when we had uh, 15 inside training, we said Jeff Richards, and we had a five-metre channel, and it used to be forwards versus backs. Like, 
that is how brutal they were. Whereas now it's like wrap me up in cotton wool, backs over there, forwards over there. Back to that 2010. See, sorry, Sports Park, and it was it was. Did did, did you feel because it it feels from the outside that that was a that was a watershed moment for for women's rugby? Did did you guys in in that squad a, a very tight squad, a very experienced squad? Did did do you did you feel? It was like that from within the camp. This is different. There's there's cameras everywhere. There's reporters. There's a different vibe to this one. I think for me, I think what we started to notice, although at Surrey Sports Park, the crowd wasn't big. It was the fact it was sold out and people were trying to get tickets to it. I think that was a real game changer in my eyes. The fact is that we were selling something out, which was women's rugby. No matter how big or small that stadium or what they built and created, it was being sold out and people were desperate for tickets. And that kind of started making us all go, wow. We're on we're on the move now. We're on the move. What Rachel's saying, like in terms of the sellout crowd, and it was a home crowd, and Sky were involved, and it did feel like a big deal, and it felt like wow, we're really doing something special. And the squad was close. We'd had you know hard times along the way. <clears throat> we played New Zealand a few times, and backs had issues. The so backs were going to have coffee instead of going to train, and as they always have issues, the backs. Whoa, you know? whoa, whoa! We always <laughs> train though, girl. Um, but you know like the score was close because it had been through a lot for the last two years leading into that World Cup and um, it it felt a tight-knit squad with what we had we knew we had something special and we knew we could do I think we truly started to believe in who we were as as a squad and who we were as individuals Um, it's yeah I think I agree with Rachel in terms of the hype around it and the way it was and it felt like it was a turning point but there was a few moments I remember in 2009 when I had my first cap I remember when we were in Canada and um we got the phone call to say that it would if sevens would make the Olympics that was also a turning point but it was it felt like there was always turning points but then nothing really came off the back of the turning points like I feel like there's been turning points for for, for our sport and then it's taken so long to kind of go through those like to go through it and to it's when you look back now it's evolved so much but yet we're still so behind i agree with you it's uh there's only so you know, we have small steps small steps small steps you know we've got to appreciate every every gain i i, I agree with you for for singularly and i'll be very very happily proven wrong the the most successful team that 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 great britain has had over the last decade is is the Red Roses and yet we haven't seen the progression that we've seen in cricket no. or in football and, I, and, I, and that really really surprises me it uh there's a hell of a lot of lip service still out there loads and loads still out there yeah and I get like you just said the words Donnie like you know we appreciate every step we do at the same time you get to stage where it shouldn't be appreciated it should just be what it is you know we are You've, st- you've got a team of athletes still in different sports who do not get the media or do not get the, I suppose, like, they don't get the credit for what, they're, for what they are valued at, you know? Like, they're working so hard, and a lot of players in the 15s or 7s are working so hard, and yet sometimes you still get 50 to 100 people at a World Series watching versus the guys which will have, like, hundreds of thousands. Like, it just doesn't feel like it's moving in the right direction as quick as it could do. And I just feel there could be so much more done. And that's the one thing I've seen still being in the squad. From the outside, it looks like it's moved on phenomenally. And, and it has. At the same time, it's still behind. 
it's still really much behind, and that is really frustrating. Yeah, impassioned stuff, and I, I again uh, wouldn't wouldn't disagree with you on this side of it doing. You know, a female female rugby podcast, which you know, um, dedicated entirely to the women's game. Uh, you know, I think one of one of two, but certainly the only global one. Getting trying to get a sponsorship or you know that kind of stuff. Is, I mean, every single person I've ever it's hard, asked, isn't it? It's every person I've ever asked to come on, absolutely delighted. Give their time so freely, speak so brilliantly. Great characters. Include yourself in that. Get a sponsor. Uh, it's so many closed doors, and it's yeah, it, it it's weird. And yet, you know, on the guy's side, there's at least three men's podcasts sponsored by Guinness and what have you. And you know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 and, and that's and that's board. my point. So you know, as much as we are moving forward, we are, but we are. It's not just about sevens, or it's not just about fifteens. I know this is a podcast, but. Women as a whole are still have still got there is still a perception out there. You shouldn't ha- we shouldn't have to push females out there anymore. We shouldn't have to. They should just be accepted. You know, it's all about gender neutral, Johnny. Do you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like there should be no difference. But we are still pushing females, and almost if you look at what we just say, if you push a female, why are you having to push them? You shouldn't have to push to open doors, but we do, and I think. Maybe it will take another generation to come through and all doors will be even. Guy or girl, good at their field. You know, in life, business, sports, that's how it should be. Take gender out of it. But at the moment, I'll be honest with you, it's still like that. Um, and there's still a stigma attached to it. And that is what's sad because, you know, when you've got young families growing up who've got young girls, yes, you're seeing a lot of strong females out there now in, in, a, in an array of different lives, you know, doing different things. And it's almost, it's amazing to see but they've all got a story and they've all got such substance to them that, that has made them who they are. And it's almost through the hard time that they've developed this resilience to be who they are. But if you look at the guys, it's very, very different. Very different. And their stories are very different. And I'm not saying they don't have to work as hard or they, you know, they haven't had the same hardships. But, you know, me and Rachel, for instance, I spent most of my career paying to play for my country not getting paid for my country. Which is you just know, bonkers. And that's very different. Really, really bonkers. Um, I, I agree that the back catalogue of a female, by, by its very nature, uh, female rugby players, that the back catalogue is so much more more interesting um, because it's only been professional or you know, semi-professional for, for a matter of years, uh, that the back catalogue is far richer and far deeper, which... Segways, see that like a ski sock just seamlessly <laughs> segued into your back catalogue, fish. Um, mm. Sevens, fifteens, World Cups, bobsleigh. <clears throat> take us through the take us through the bobsleigh. Where 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 did that come in your career? Mm, that was the early days, but that kind of formed me who I that I, I honestly believe that that's kind of put me in the position like I was in my career because that came about suddenly. Really, I got I got dropped from England. Um, and it wasn't performance. It was just because I would wear the odd socks or forget my gum shield. The things that you see a little and I can laugh about are actually not little. And for all the youngsters out there who think it's okay, they they forget their gum shield to a session or forget their water bottle or haven't had this or haven't done this or haven't filled out the nutrition diary. They're the things I got dropped for. Um, and I got I got dropped. I didn't understand it. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, I've been dropped. And I went to play students for a little bit. But then that was perceived as dangerous because obviously Rachel, my eighty percent. Do you know what I mean? 
Why did um, you just go 50? <laughs> <laughs> so that got seated dangerous. I only played a couple of games that I was taken out of that. Um, and they were just trying to prove a point to say, Fish, you know, you've got to, you've got to tidy up your off-pitch stuff. And I, I suppose I became a stickler after that for making sure that everything was in and on on time and everything was handed in. And But I, I've always been one of these individuals, Johnny, where there's, there's always a better way of doing it and a quicker, more efficient way of doing it. So why would I do that when I can do this? And why would I do that when I know that makes me tick? And I've always questioned a system my whole entire career, as Rachel will know. And that's probably something that's never gone for me. It's always gone against me, but I've always kept doing it because I've stayed true to who I am. If that means you chuck me out, it means you chuck me out. And that's what happened. And I sat in a coffee shop in Cardiff. Um, I was in my kit. I think I just I finished a gym session at David Lloyd and I went to have a coffee, as you do. And somebody asked me, you know, what sport do you do? You know, you look pretty fit and strong. I was like, well, this is me at my 80%. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I was literally just took a conversation with someone working Starbucks. And it just so happened that they um, were part of bath, the bath team um, winter sports program. I think they were a skeleton athlete. So I kind of went down to Bath University, tried it out, did a few jumps. Um, they told me that I would do a few runs down down the down the down the push track, and they said I think it's three or four runs I did on my first day, and I was really much like, what you want me to run down here and run back up like four times? Like I'm here for a whole day, and I'm going to do four runs, and I thought, oh my god, this is like nothing. This is like piss easy. Sorry, sugar easy that was, and. Um, <laughs> And then I couldn't walk for days. I had such bad doms. It was unbelievable. My legs were on fire for days with doms. Um, but that was the start of doing something different. And my dream as a 13, 14-year-old, as long as I can remember, was to be an athlete. I wanted to be an Olympic athlete. That was my goal. I wasn't really bothered, if I'm honest, about a World Cup or playing 15s. I had two dreams. One was to play for England at Twickenham against the All Blacks. And one was to be in, in the Olympics. They were my two dreams as a 13-year-old girl. And actually, so when, when I went to Bath University and I had a chance of being a bobsleigh athlete for Team GB <clears throat> with the Olympics being ahead of me by, you know, in a year's time, then I thought, sod it, I'm going to go. And I remember ringing Gary Street up and just saying, look, if I'm good enough to make it when I get back, I'll make it when I get back. But he really couldn't believe it because he was kind of like, well, you're on the verge of getting your first cap fish in the Six Nations. Um, and you're just up in and leaving. I was like, yeah, because if I'm good enough in rugby, I'll, I'll come back and do it. But at the moment, I've got an opportunity to go and do something different. So I'm not walking away from rugby. At the same time, I have an opportunity. And I'm a great believer that you get different opportunities dangling in front of you. It doesn't mean they're all right for you. But some of them are golden carrots. And you've got to recognize which ones you need to take. And I felt that was one I had to take and couldn't turn down. Um, so I, I loved it, but I didn't. That I loved it, but I didn't have the fire in my belly. I missed the team environment. But what I really loved was sevens. So when I went across from fifteens, then went to sevens. I loved sevens like the rest of the girls did. We loved sevens. It challenged me every day, you know. But it was a mixture between speed and skill, and repeated power and repeated speed. Then when I went to bobsleigh, it was just pure power and pure speed. For two years, I would literally lift, you know, reps of threes and literally sprint for five seconds, no more than that. And it would be repetition upon repetition. I travelled the world, um, you know, lived out of crazy places, you know, out of suitcases and hotels, competing for Team GB. Um, and, I, and I loved it. And I was, I was a, a crap, like, I'm trying not to swear here, but top of the, top of the um, slopes, I would be 
sugar scared. Do you know what I'm saying? I'd be like quaking in my boots. Um, I, I hated going down the slopes. I would hold on for dear life. My forearms were, were hurting. My abs were killing. It's the first time ever in my career I had a six pack. It didn't last very long, but that was when I had a proper six pack. Um, my forearms are burning. But it was also at the time where I started to get a little bit of alopecia. I had a ball patch on the back of my head that I didn't really realise. I thought it was from my helmet rubbing. So stupid. But that's what I thought it was. Um, and it was it was the start of my immune system going downhill. And what I noticed a year into bobsleigh was that then I was starting to eat a European diet. Uh, my diet was very different from being at home and being charged my supplements. Supplements were new into the world of sport. So I would have a schedule of supplements given to me, but it was only a couple of brands out there at the time. So I was just on those, but I felt like my immune system was going downhill. I'd pick up a, I'd pick up a cold really easily and then I'd still have to race the next day in minus 44 degrees in Calgary and so on and so on. So I felt like I was just going downhill literally and couldn't really stop. Um, and it wasn't until I was selected for the GB World Juniors, competed there, and then I was supposed to go on to the senior um the, the worlds in Samaritz, um, and then I was pulled out by a doctor, Richard Budget, who was at the, um, he was based in Norfolk Park at the time, and he said, "Fish, you're overtrained. You know, for me, you've got an overtraining syndrome. You, I think you've got glandular fever in your system. You're completely burnt out. We need to rest you, and we can't take you to the worlds." Um, and then that was a start, really, I suppose, of me understanding my body, my um, my nutrients better, my alopecia then started then got worse um, and I kind of started to rebuild, rebuild myself and that's when I really realised I was a year, just under a year away from the Winter Olympics and I had a, I had a call from Simon Amor to go and trial out for sevens and even though I loved bobsleigh, it gave me raw initial excitement, power and it was just pure extreme, like crazy stuff. It was a crazy whirlwind of my life but it, it honestly formed the athlete I am today and I wouldn't have the power you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I think I'm on the way out in terms of my power, but I was in a, that, that lasted me through so many years of my 15th career, especially because I just used to drive out the blocks on the pitch like I was driving out the bobsleigh. You know, I used to drive and not stop and I didn't see stopping. I, I just saw it carrying on. And, you know, people used to say I, I came onto the ball at, at speed and power. And I, I did, yeah, because I, I used to come out like I was coming out the blocks. Um, and, and so I suppose I just transferred those skills back in sevens, which was a perfect mix of 15s and bobs they put together, you know? Fish, there's so much to, to pick up on there. Um, and I guess we're, we're all okay for for time. Um, that, that conversation with that doctor, it, uh, I, mean, I know plenty about your, your story and, and have followed you as a broadcaster for, for a good decade. Um how seminal was was that conversation with that doctor? Because he, you said there that he then gave you an awareness of, of your body, um, and if you happen to go there, we'll, we'll talk about the the alopecia, which had a real real effect on you. It seemed from from the outside in two thousand and ten, there was there was quite a lot of sort of instruction for us as, as media types around that World Cup um, to sort of keep you away from the press and and, and, and explanations, which was kind of unprecedented. It seems like you're far more happy and content in your own skin now. Just how important was that conversation with that with, with that doctor? Yeah, it was really important, uh, Johnny. There was two doctors. One was when I was anorexic and one was then when I got burnout. And in the anorexic one was the profound one, really, because that without, you know, I was, was on a very bad slippery slope, my anorexia. 
um, you know, and I went to visit people in hospital who were fed on drips and stuff, and and that was scary. Um, so for someone, just one voice, you have to turn, change your life around just by asking you what you want to be when you're older. And the answer was an athlete gave me the knowledge that I, I need to do certain things to change. Right. So that was the first one. The second one, when it was Richard Budget, when I was when I had my burnout, it was almost giving me time to reset myself, but understand that actually, when I push myself to extreme, and there was only one way. It was a hundred percent in the bobsled. There was no pushing up. We joke, but there's no joke in, in, in terms of pushing anything less than 100% because I was we were raced every weekend. So he gave me, I suppose, the I suppose the confidence to step away and listen to what I needed for my body, not yep. just to perform. Yeah. And the decision to go and compete at the Worlds was taken out of my hands. Whereas now, you know, in rugby, even if you're if you're at 90%, 80%, you, you still you you still go. Whereas in in bobsay, you didn't go unless I wasn't allowed to go. So I suppose he gave me an open door to it's okay to follow what your body's saying and you need to do what's right for you and I'm pulling you out because you're not right. So, so that was start of a, I don't read between the lines and, and, and shoot me down if you if you so would, reading between the lines, it, there was a start of a, of a consciousness about the importance of, of body confidence, especially if, you're, if your dreams are going to an Olympics playing for anything against New Zealand at, at, at Twickenham. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think I've always struggled with body confidence. Um, and more so, I, I, I think, not when I had hair. I think, you know, when I lost my hair, I lost a massive part of my confidence. I lost, I lost a lot, massive part of my personality. Um, and I still have now, to a certain extent. I think that has massively, massively affected my whole life. Um, and opportunities that I've probably not taken or taken because of my hair. But, yeah, I think it made me aware of what I wanted and where I was going. And I knew I was on the right track because I had the right people around me and I formed the right people and those people became my team. And, we you know, we talk about having the right team around you. That was my team, having my mentors or having having the dots involved, having amazing physios involved who packed me back together. And, you know, that becomes your team when you're an athlete. And I suppose I just gained so much knowledge as a youngster going into that Team GB setup. So, certainly don't want to dwell on the on 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 the darker times, and it, it, we'll just we'll, we'll move on in a sec. But I, I'm not sure you realised quite how inspirational you are um, over the you know, countless years that that you've been at the very highest end of of, of sport. Um, and actually, you you say that it still affects you now, but but obviously you've you've been on a massive positive journey with, with that with that confidence and, and dealing with the things that physically on the illnesses you've had what it there's somebody listening in a young lady who plays a bit of rugby and, and she might have some similar challenges to you what what three things w- w- would you say to to them to to, to, to claw their um, way out the of fir- it the first one the first one's easy the first one's you've got to be brave you got to be really really brave because there are times where i could have stepped away there are times when i could have not come back like my back fractures there are times when I could have hidden my head and, and not come back at all. I'll be honest with you. So the first one, you go. If you want to go for your dreams, you want to be the best you want to be. You've got to be brave. You've got no choice. And bravery comes from just from, you know, persevering, having the right people around you, making sure you know yourself. You've got to self self accept yourself. And as soon as I started to accept myself, which is the second one, then actually I started to achieve. Um, so. Being brave, self self acceptance, and then the third one, staying true to yourself. 
like we're not born to fit into systems like systems fit into people and i think it's it's you've got to make it work for you otherwise it's not right for you you know if, if england rugby can't make it work for an individual or if team GP can't make it work then you've got to be able to make it work for yourself it has to work for you because you have to have the fire in your belly to want to go and as soon as you lose that fire in the belly it's you who's got to find it again so you know they're my three or four they're four things really i suppose but they're massive because without fire in the belly there's no there's no real performance <clears throat> not from the heart anyway and without the right team you're not resilient um but then without being true to yourself and knowing yourself and being really freaking brave you won't actually have the courage to go and do what you want to do because there are so many people out there you know johnny who, who will easily put you down easily slag you off easily say yes to your face and then say no behind your back there are so many people who do that oh, and yes. i don't understand it yeah i don't understand it but it's there there are less people trying to pick people up in this world and i think this out of anything that like isolation it's showing that people are trying to pick people up and that's absolutely massive but it comes from wanting to wanting to help others but also knowing yourself first yeah Absolutely. Well, let, 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 let's let's. Fish, thank you so much for being. Look, I'll just say. Can, no, I, can I just come in there? Or I just want to say, just thank you for for, for just being so. Uh, and I know you hoped you would be for just just being so so incredibly honest and uh, and open because, um, uh, you know, if you, you can't be it unless you see it, and it, you you can't try and change things. Possibly, if you if one of your heroes, someone look up to in a in a position like like you're in. Are talking about these things it massively helps so th- yeah thank you so much sorry birth no i was just gonna say that you know i've kind of been on this on your seeing you through your journey like i remember when you had hair and the hairstyles you do you always have really good swag and style and not that you don't now yeah but, like, say, Rachel, yeah. You watch it. <laughs> but you, you, i mean you still carry yourself off like that and like but i kind of guess i want to say like at the time like i remember in 2010 at that world cup where you had like some patches left on your head, didn't you? And it, mm. that's when you made that brave decision. We had a conversation about it. It was like, um, shave it off and like, just embrace it. And mm. now I reflect on that, Fisher. Like, I generally don't think any of us really understood how tough that would have been for you. Because we just saw you as you. And we didn't, mm. you know, hair was one thing. It wasn't who you were. And, it, and how I see you now, I don't see you about, I don't know. It's just, I see you as normal. And... I think the way that you've gone about things is just been incredibly brave and inspiring. And the fact now that you openly talk about it and you're, you're an ambassador for Alopecia UK, I think it's amazing. Um, and I genuinely don't think we really, anybody really sits there and has a moment about, imagine feeling, you know, not having any hair and not being able to change it. I don't think people really fully underappreciate it. So I just wanted to kind of like say how inspirational you are to me and to millions of other people. Um, because actually until we've really had this conversation, I've never really thought about it. And that's probably wrong of me as a friend to never really look deeper. Um, and the way you've handled it and gone about it has just been unreal. And, you know, kudos to you to continue to do that. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. It's 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 you know it's hard. I, I think as well, like when you're athletic and bold, you know, people are so quick to judge, so quick to judge, and 
I just think it, you know, there's time when it still upsets you now when people judge and, you know, you get chucked out of toilets or you get questioned about about your sex, you know, like, but I suppose you grow a confidence of inner, inner confidence, but it's, it, I suppose it's drawn out of me that I've had to, you know, I've had to know myself because I've had to be ready for what would be. But yeah, I, I don't think, you know, it's like to lose, to lose your hair because your hair shouldn't define you, but it takes away your personality because it takes away your confidence. And when it takes away your confidence, you know, you don't look in the mirror and see what you saw before. And you, when you see your reflection, you see something completely different to what you see. And and so you don't feel as confident. You don't feel as nice looking. You don't feel as attractive. All those things are, are taken away from you. And there's a lack of understanding, I suppose, around all of it. But no one's ever gone. I said the other day, this is unbelievable and this is a bit crazy. But I've, I've never been to a doctor. I've lost my hair. I went straight into a World Cup. And it was just accepted. I remember that day we shaved it off. It was just accepted that I shaved it off. I cried a lot. I lost a lot of confidence. I never went to a doctor and said, excuse me, I've lost my hair. It isn't that, that me looking back, that's weird. I don't know why that ever happened, but I just never, I never took the steps just to go and see a doctor. But it wasn't well, really never, an option. Yeah, never guided to go there. And, that, and that's no. kind of a little bit like my point. Like I never sat back and actually truly thought about it, what it would what you're really going through because I just accepted you as you and didn't but didn't really ever really think about it or think about well actually and like you're saying well why is this happening this something's happened you know internally for this to come about Mm. let's go and work out what that is and maybe rectify something or Mm. make sure that I'm not further damaging my immune system or whatever totally different now fish I think it would be yeah well if you you know, like anyone of you, if you, you know, you've got young children, Johnny. If, if one of your children grew up and lost all their hair, what would you do as a father? Yes, yeah, get to the bottom of why. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I, I get to 100% I would get to the bottom of why, especially presumably um, in a professional athletic environment you want to get the best out of your athlete whether it be for 80 minutes or or for three lots of 14 minutes or you know whatever it is therefore the mental side is is so important to go along with the Mm. with the physical side that you would you would explore that i'm rocky clark and you're listening to the women's rugby pod just a reminder, you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod with Johnny Hammond and Rachel Burford. Now the second part of our chat with the great Heather Fisher. You have an unbelievable career, Bob Slay, 7s, 15s. Have, even possibly even during this lockdown period, have you had a chance to just to have a wee look back and, and possibly when your mind was thinking about whether you go to the next Olympics or not, whatever, to, to have a look back and say, wow, what an incredible career and... Do you know what? Those three days, I'm going to give you three options. Uh, what, what are your three highlights thus far? And I will say thus far. Um, so have I had a chance? No, I don't really look back, to be honest, at stuff like that. But okay. what I did find the other day were all the rugby montages that we get made before we go and play a game. And I found on a hard drive um, all the rugby montages from 2010 World Cup where we played our World Cup games and we always have, we always watch you know, a film of ourselves as a team oh, wow. before we go and play. Um, so it was Mo- pretty cool. A motivational video. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so it was pretty cool to watch those. Um, but and it, at, when I was watching it the other night, I did think, geez, I've had a long career and 
I don't think some of the youngsters now probably realise how long that they see me going, but they don't really understand it. But I probably I didn't understand it when I was younger when I looked up to Garnet's fist. You know, I probably didn't see it. Um, but three highlights for me probably has to be um, <clears throat> first World Cup sevens two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah. That was like emotion. That was really emotional. <laughs> that was a crazy, so emotional, very yeah. amazing. So emotional, but so amazing at the same time. Why so emotional, ladies? Johnny just had to have been there, babes. Yeah, fair enough. I think also that was the first time we probably, well, for me definitely, we found out what training hard was, and what mm-hmm. training away from squad environments was all about. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Expectations, values, what it was, what it was worth, what you were actually doing. You know, we had all that. So, 2009 World Cup, definitely. Um, oh. Commonwealth Games, massive one under a new coach, James. Um, he brought my love of rugby back. So, James Bailey. After that. Yeah, James Bailey. Definitely a massive part of my career in terms of accepting myself, accepting me for who I was didn't try and change me, didn't try and question me, just accepted me for being a bit quirky and a bit crazy. And I was always accepted. And I felt like I just performed because I was accepted. I felt comfortable with him. And when I feel comfortable, you know, some coaches like you're on the edge of your seat. That doesn't really work with fish because I'm on the edge of my seat anyway. If anything, I need holding back and understood, you know. Yeah. Um, so do, making me feel uncomfortable makes me do the opposite and it makes me disinterested. So he made me feel comfortable and I felt through feeling comfortable and knowing where I knew I had to perform. And I, I never put an English shirt on without knowing I've got to perform. I always go out to perform the best of my ability on that day, whatever that is, despite what's going on in my life, that is my aim. Um, so it's, it didn't matter, you know, who I was, but that was a massive one. So Commonwealth Games, when it all came together, was pretty cool. Um, and I, my third one was probably test matches against New Zealand, All Blacks at Twickenham. Uh, what year would that be? Two thousand and I think it was nine or the, ten. Yeah, yeah we played nine. them in nine and yeah. ten, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but there's been a few Hong Kong sevens. It was amazing. Oh yeah, Australia that was up there. Final. Yeah. You know, like this. I've you know I love all the World Cups I've been part of. I'm really hoping that my last one will finish on the Olympics. That's my aim. Yes, let, absolutely. Let's let, let's hope so. I, I am conscious to let you get back to having coffee with your dad or or turning down. Here. <laughs> I've actually got I've actually got a conference call in um, at half past. Yeah, you're at half past. Well, look, I'll, I'll give you one last chance because birth did, did give you a bit of a uh, bit of stick at the beginning there in your various stories. What's the best birth story, please, Fish? The best birth story. <laughs> Come on, here's a chance. Oh God! Roll up, roll up. No, I could be really mean, but um, oh god, my memory's going back a bit now. Um, but I think, and I'm going to have so many more stories on you. Yeah, so I know. I'd I pick know. a nice one. <laughs> no, uh, and I'm the bloke editing no, just, it, so you carry on, fish. No, I'm just going to stick to. I'm just going to stick to. I think the one, the wardrobe. I think there are many stories, and probably I've probably had more bangs on my head than Rachel has, and I think I've probably forgotten half the crap that I've done because that's the sort of person I am. <laughs> um, but, but from you know, from jumping out in a, to putting prawns in places, to annoying her, to you know, making me yeah. massage your back and put moisturiser on it. 
So just to put some context out, Fisha gets really dry skin, so she literally lavers. You got Don't ex-marriage. Uh, shut you. Up your context. <laughs> I could come out of the story now. Amsterdam Seven's pretty good one for Rach. Um, oh, but, what what yeah. day? Friday Saturday. <laughs> There's been oh, a right. few. Let's just say um, South Africa. No, 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 no. South Africa the- good tour before let's, time began no. let's talk anyway, about I've got USA. to go got yeah you can go call. I'll carry on talking <laughs> but let's just finish on this this is Heather Fisher at her finest our first ever tour to um we went to San Diego and we're on day one of the tournament um and all of a sudden Fisher hurts her foot and we go back to the hotel at night time and then all of a sudden you can hear that she's back because she you can hear crutches limping down this was hold on it gets better this was uh, what two months out from the sevens world cup so bad timing to get injured anyway she's stumbling down the corridor you can hear crutch by crutch all right, um, get to the point, Rach. And then, no, 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 got to tell the whole story. Then, like, people start poking their head out. She's like, my World Cup's over. Literally going past each door, going, my World Cup's over. You're so dramatic. So then the next You're day, this so is you. You just dramatic. don't remember it like this. So then the next day, we're obviously, we've got a final against USA. Really close game. It goes into extra time. We're, we're dead on our feet. Fish is booted up. She's warmed up. She's, her foot's not too bad. It was And then foot. she Let's comes on. Rachel, she comes it, on it was my pitch. heel, Johnny. It oh, was my heel. Your yeah, heel. Okay, same difference. Um, I, couldn't the, I couldn't put the brakes on. And then, so she comes on in extra time, catches the kickoff, runs 50 metres and scores the winning try, and then all of a sudden she's healed. <laughs> I wasn't and healed, Johnny. <laughs> and you went to the World Cup. <laughs> Johnny had five. She injections. had a bruise on her heel. Oh, that was sorry, what it was. <laughs> had five injections, is what it was. Uh, Brilliant. But thank you, Rachel, for anyway. sharing that story. I better go. Mate, you've made my career a very happy one with the laughs along the way. So, And these moments to just keep remembering things like that is good fun. Fish, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, even more so, thank you so much for. For, for for being the beacon that you are, for for being the character you are, for sticking to to one of your principles of, of being yourself, with with all the challenges that that you've had, just a, a massive tip of the hat to to you personally uh, and from the WRP. Thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, see you next year at the Olympics. Uh, no doubt, we'll speak to you before then. Um, stay safe, stay well, and thank you once again. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Bye, guys. Sure. Well, what a, a a treat to have Heather Fisher on the pod. I mean, we we could do what a, a month's worth, two months worth of, of podcasts with with her birth. She's uh, such an eclectic uh, career that's bounced here, there, and everywhere. And you know, actually, the chat with her kind of reflects that, doesn't it? Um, so so much energy, but a, a real inspirational person. So, yeah, I, I felt. A, a real beacon of hope for for lots of different reasons for for lots of different people. She's an enigmatic character. Yeah, I think you know they talk about people being one of the kind and and people that will you'll look back and talk about for many many years. And she's certainly one of those. She's got plenty of good fun stories about her, but she's got a real heart of gold, and she's somebody that will do anything and everything um, for her teammates, for herself to put herself in the right position. 
but the, one of the best things that I love about Fisher is that she doesn't take herself too seriously. Like she can have a laugh, but she can also switch it on and give a hundred percent, not just eighty. Um, but that's kind of you know she's a one of a kind and she's a great person to know um, and love playing alongside her and sharing such great stories with her. Yeah, we we, we cry out for for characters in the game. She is right at the top of that tree. Uh, yeah, she's utterly engaging. Wonderful, wonderful to 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 just be in her company. She, I've done a couple of commentaries with her, and just uh, really, really enjoy being being in her company. And I've always enjoyed her playing the 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 great game for us. Before we sign off, we should shout out to the Bristol Bears and their and their dance routines. Beth, have you, did you see Kim Oliver? I did see Kim Oliver um, rocking that look a little bit too easily, um, should I say, in that old ladies attire it's probably um how she feels right now um not being out and about and coaching as she was beforehand but it's just brilliant content that they've come up with and you know it's a good way to keep the the girls in the club and the staff and management all collect connected still yeah it's just a little bit too uh too easy as you say that uh, that garb for, for kim Oliver. i thought it was absolutely brilliant love to know who's behind the scary kind of it dragon slash clown um perhaps bristol bears can can let us know uh also a, a huge shout out to uh jody onsley yeah um for those of you who don't know she, they're just on the back of her and her family did a tw- 24 hour sportsathon where they were doing some form of sport every hour for the last 24 hours raising money for the elizabeth foundations um, and they raised over £3,300, so unbelievable from the England Sevens player. And I believe the charity helped support her and her family um, when she was growing up. As we know that Jodie is a deaf player, um, deaf England player, but also is, is a fully contracted player. So fair play to them, 24 hours. I mean, I saw some of the stories where she's on a bike at 3.30 in the morning, still going. Um, really, really impressive stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Big, big shout out to, to, to you, Jody, and your family. Thank you so much to uh, to Heather Fisher for coming on and her and her, her bravery in being so 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 honest and so open about lots of different things in and around her her career. Thanks as ever to, to producer Jez. And next week we're going to be joined by Nikki Ponsford, who's going to talk us through the new lineup of the Tools Premier Fifteens. Yeah, it'd be interesting to uh, to talk to the. The Grand Fromage of uh, England Women's Rugby next week. How she's dealing with the isolation and all the uh, trials and tribulations, no doubt, that uh, that she is going through. But in the meantime, podcasts, please, please take care. Keep talking to one another. Where There's so many different ways to do it. Just pick up the phone, uh, FaceTime, whatever you want to do. But keep talking. It's so, so important at the moment. Keep communicating. Stay safe. Stay at home. And be well. Until next time.